scared yet? I hope not. All right, that's, that's I hope not. That's a scary introduction. Well, I'm, th- I'm so thrilled that you came tonight to be a part of our experience here on Wednesday nights. Truly, truly, if it's your first time, it's an honor to have you with us. And again, our online audience, thank you for joining from wherever you may be around the world. You're in your pajamas and we had to dress up, all right? So we're glad that you're here, a part of this experience. We've been in a three-week series entitled Scare Tactics. And the basis is because it's it's October, okay? It's Halloween season, and this wasn't an anti-Halloween per se message. It was just a, a look at the enemy and, and his number one tactic that has always been there in the forefront of his, in his arsenal, and that's been this spirit of fear that he puts on us as believers, as people in this world. He just tries to scare us, and so I just thought, what a perfect month to do it in when the whole world is talking about fear, and this isn't an anti-Halloween message, but some people ask my family all the time why we don't celebrate Halloween, and it's not because we're afraid or it's because, you know, we want to send some kind of political message. It's really at the heart of who we are as a family is that I don't want my kids to grow up celebrating the word fear. I want them to grow up celebrating the verse that we've been quoting all month long, that they have not been given a spirit of fear. And so tonight, if you're here kind of on that fence of of what's happening in our culture, I want to remind you today that the fear that this world loves to celebrate does not come from the Lord. God never intended for any of us on this planet to have to live in fear or fear of anyone, any person, any man, definitely any entity. And the fear that we see in Scripture that says fear the Lord is really an awe-inspiring word, not a fearful, intimidating word, but more of a, like when your dad, you know, would come in and, and when he would enter the house and the whole family would come and greet him, maybe you don't do that in your house anymore, but, but that kind of awe, when, when the president walks through the door and people stand, when the bride walks through the door and people stand, there's this reverence. That's what that word means in scripture. Never are we called to fear from God. Or fear in our life. We are actually instructed the opposite. And so today as we wrap up this series, we've been talking about a series of different things. One, we started off the series talking about the enemy and how he uses the fear of intimacy. The fear of keeping us separated and in these isolated moments of life. Like he loves to keep us alone. Because when we're alone, we're weak, we're vulnerable. And so he'll isolate us and he'll introduce this fear of intimacy. And we learned on that week that God has to be the source that no one else can be the source of our hope or joy or, or fulfillment that has to be in the person of Jesus. And Jesus beckons us out of darkness into light, into a relationship with him, out of loneliness. It was God's plan from the beginning. He looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. So God always intended for us to live in relationship with him and with each other. And we learned that the fear of intimacy is just another ploy of the enemy to keep us distracted in our faith. We learned about the fear of rejection two weeks ago and how some of us, and including this dude up here, struggled with people-pleasing. We, we, we're afraid of being rejected, and so it causes us to be one of two extremes. Either we're just so overt that we throw all our business out there all the time. We're so desperate for connection, right? That we just, I need it. And it's just everywhere. It's on our social media. It's on our Snapchat. It's people just know our business because we're starved for connection because of rejection or the opposite. We're reclusive. And we talked about how we're not here to serve any person. We're not here to people, please. We are here. We were set free from that to live as an audience of one to the Lord. He is my source. Again, building on the first week. And then last week, if you were here, and if not, all of these are in the app, all of these are online, you can watch these. Last week, we talked about the fear of losing control, the fear of anxiety and stress, 
And I don't know about you, but when you hear Christmas music, maybe that like triggers stress for you, right? It's already playing. It's already been talked about. It's already being set up at Walmart. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and all of a sudden, the, the sweats came on you. Like, oh, we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet. And so we, locked about, we learned about this fear of anxiety. And, and we talked about how we have to give our cares to the Lord because he does care. That this fear of losing control, sometimes God wants, or not sometimes, all the time, God wants to be in the driver's seat of our life. And tonight we're going to talk about the fear of failure. Yeah, the F word, right? We're going to talk about the fear of failure and how most of us in this room are afraid that we're going to fail in life as a dad, as a college student, as an employee, as a husband. This fear is real. But before we get into that and talk about his ploy, I want us, can we do this together, even if you're watching online, out loud, all over this room, we're going to read the verse that has just anchored what the truth that is in God's word about this word fear. So when this verse comes up and we start reading it, will you read it all together? It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and it says this, let's read it all together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's the truth that I want you to walk out of here with. It's been the truth all month long, but I want you to get it in your spirit that you have not been given a spirit of fear, even the spirit of fear of failure. But that doesn't come from the Lord. So before we get into, you know, what this is and how to overcome it, the, I want to just lay this truth out there in front of everyone. Uh, everybody is afraid of this fear. You may not have been afraid of losing control or maybe not even afraid of intimacy, but at some point in our life, we were asked to do something outside of our comfort zone, outside of our skill set. Maybe even in this room, you've been asked to step into a level of faith that you've never done before. And so the fear of failure, we're all subjected to her. The enemy loves to bombard us with everyone can identify with this one. A fear of failure. Everyone's afraid of it. Even in the scriptures, they were afraid of it. I'm going to take it to the story that Jesus is telling a parable. And as Jesus is teaching this parable, he's even going to tell us the guy in the story. He's not even a real guy, but he's going to show us that even that guy is afraid. All right, here we go. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read a couple verses, 24 through 26, and then jump down to verse 28. If you're following it on your notes, it's the, just slide down there. It's starting in verse 24. Then the man, he's telling about the talents, the people God has come, and he's, Jesus is talking about the master has given three guys three different levels of abilities or talents, and he's given it to them in their hands. And the man who came back had received the one talent came, right? So the man who had received the one talent, he came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, so I was afraid. There it is. Even in Jesus' story, this dude is afraid of failing. And he went out and I hid your talent in the ground. He was so scared. I don't want to mess this up. So I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to bury it in the ground because I know me. And if I do me, it's going to break or it's going to fall apart or I'm going to lose three of them. I'm just going to bury it in the ground. He was afraid of failure. And look how Jesus responds to this. In this story, he says, and he went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here, he digs it up. See, here it is. It's what belongs to you. Verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Uh-oh. Verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to one who has the ten talents. Jesus automatically is teaching us, listen, listen, listen. I'm not giving you a spirit of fear. You don't have to be afraid of stuff. But this man, in his fear, is called wicked and lazy because he allowed his fear to overcome him. And maybe today that's your experience in life. There's been things in your uh, past or even in your present that you would categorize as a failure. 
And so it has prevented you from moving forward. God has talked to you about something, or, or, or maybe your spouse has said, let's, let's try this, and, and let's try to shape this in our marriage, or let's try to, and we, we've tried it with our kids, and it didn't work, and so we failed miserably, or, or our job, we lost it, and we feel like a failure, and it has prevented us. We, we literally have taken everything that God has tried to do in our life, and we just, we just bury it, because that's what fear does. We talked about this in session one. Fear immobilizes you. And that's why the enemy loves to use it against us. Because we serve a God that wants us to move and is progressive and wants us to grow and wants us to reach great things. But fear, the fear of failure, causes us to just stay right where we're at and bury all the stuff that God has done. Well, he gave it to me. Yeah, he gave us, he gave us this new life. He accepted me into his kingdom. I'm one of his children. But I don't want to fail because I know uh, I tried this once. I tried to be a good person and I messed up. So I'm going to take this new gift, this making new experience, and I'm just going to bury it in the ground. And Jesus called that servant wicked and lazy. Why? Not because he buried it because that's a lot of work. All right? Have you ever tried to bury something? All right? He wasn't physically calling him lazy to dig a ditch and to try to get some... That's a lot of work. He probably sweated. So he wasn't calling his physical labor wicked or lazy. He was saying, listen, I never destined you for fear. And you let fear take you. Instead of tapping into the source, God, me, that's the story. That we won't be driven in fear and bury what God is trying to do in our hearts. So I'm a simple person, so three points tonight, very simple. If you're following on your notes, we're going to start at number one. Just how do we overcome this spirit of fear, of failure? If everyone deals with it, then everyone in this room, it may not be today, it may be next week when you got to go before the review board or maybe be the, 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 the next week after that when, when your spouse comes home from this and tells you this didn't work or the bank account, whatever it is, the mortgage comes due, whatever. Like we're going we're gonna to all face this. So three simple ways in God's word to show us how to overcome the fear of failure. Number one, just simply this. In order to break this this chain, this wrapping, this, this, this uh, a preventive of moving forward fear of failure in my life, I have to first embrace the fact that I'm going to fail. Just get over it. Just get through the fact that it's going to happen. Why? Because nobody on this side of heaven is perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Wake up. If no one's told you that, I'll be the first one. You ain't perfect. And neither am I. Neither am I. So before you get all wrapped up and make it all mysterious and failure, ooh, I want to try to, I'm avoiding it. I'm going to try to pretend like it's not going to happen in my life. The first step is just saying, you know what? It's going to happen in my life. I need to embrace the fact that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm not going to let it blindside me and go, oh, no, I'm not perfect. Really? I just found that out. I'm not perfect. Let me just knock you off that high horse. Actually, I didn't do it. Scripture's done it a long time ago in Romans when it says, uh, for all fall short. And, you know, that's the verse. For all of us literally fall short of the standard that God has. We, we are going to make mistakes. And God's not in heaven going, oh, not her. She grew up in church. Not him. He's a deacon. Oh, no. You know, God's not up in heaven going, oh, no, they're making mistakes again. No. God understands. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why we don't put our own righteousness on. We put on the righteousness of Jesus because we need it. Because we're going to mess up. We're going to fail. But some of us, we fall, and it's just like this huge, oh, no, I've made this you know, mistake, and I'm a failure. And we just love to just wallow in and hang out there and be like, oh, oh I'm such a bad person. And God's going, Really? Duh, you've been making mistakes since I created you guys, all right? So uh, this is nothing new for me. 
you got to start by saying, you know, I'm going to make some mistakes. Stop beating yourself up. The Word of God says there is no condemnation. But we like to condemn ourselves, don't we? We like to just take that whip and just beat ourselves over and over and over again. Oh, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Do we want to strive to live in mistake? No. But when we do it, we can't let it trip us up and take us out. And we never see it coming. we got to embrace it. James, the brother of Jesus, he has something to say about this. He says, listen, we all stumble in many ways. Remember, this is the brother of Jesus. He knows, all right? He's living in the shadow of the Almighty God, all right? His brother was Jesus, okay? So if he was perfect, James was uber not perfect, okay? He's standing next to the model of perfection, and this is James, his brother. He's saying, listen, we all stumble. I know this in many ways. Mom told me, all right? Jesus was perfect. I'm not. James is saying he gets this. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, and he's not saying that's who you are. He's trying to, you know, paint this picture that that's nobody. Able to keep his whole body in check. That's not, he's just saying that's not possible. It's, if it's anybody, it's my brother. It's Jesus. It's not us. We're going to fail in many ways. We're going to stumble in many ways. And so right away, just take that off of the enemy's uh, palette of messing up your life. Just say, I know, I know you're going to try to trip me up. I know I'm going to make mistakes. But I'm going to use that as ammunition against you, enemy. Because I know this is going to happen. I'm going to be prepared that when I make a mistake, I'm not going to fall through the Grand Canyon every time. I'm going to know. I'm not perfect. I have grace. And like the Bible says to Paul, it's sufficient. His grace, your gap, the thing that you want to be perfect in, but you don't do, that gap that is there. The Bible says, Paul prayed three times, Lord, take the gap away. And God goes, no, my grace is enough for you. You're going to make mistakes. I'm here to kind of free some of the people in the room that you're expecting us Christians to be perfect. Let me just tell you, there's nowhere in this book that tells us that we are or we're supposed to. Our perfection is not in ourselves. Our perfection is when we put on the person of Jesus in our life. And when you see us make mistakes, yeah, when you see us make mistakes, but I, I know I love to go, ooh I knew it. Watch how we get back up. Not in our own strength, but in his. So we got to embrace the fact that we're going we're to fall. I wrote this in your notes. Uh, it's not on the app, I don't believe, but you can write it down. Allow yourself to feel the disappointment, but not the disapproval. God's not up in heaven going, oh, no. Allow for the disappointment to hit your heart. Yeah, we don't like to do these. We don't like to live in Mistakeville. We don't like to live there and build a house there. But allow yourself to feel the disappointment. Oh, I know that I can do better. But don't allow yourself to feel the disapproval. Don't allow yourself to feel like God is in heaven with the lightning bolt going, I knew it. I knew it. The tax season is coming. I knew it. I'm waiting for you to make that mistake. No, just let, let the disappointment hit your heart. But don't let the disapproval, that's a lie of the enemy. Did God really say, the, the, the us versus God, that, trying to bring that wedge into us, that's the tactic of the enemy. Feel the disappointment. Feel the, I know that, Jesus, that's not something that you want me to do. I feel the disappointment. But that's going to cause me, that we call that conviction, and I want to make sure I always feel that conviction. But I'm not going to live in this disapproval. Romans chapter 3, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says this. We can rejoice too, or also as well, when we run into problems and trials. Why would we say that? You're starting to sound like a lot like James, that crazy guy. For we know that they are actually good for us, these failures. What? Yeah, that's what it says. They help us learn to, come on, it's up there, to endure. 
So i got to embrace the fact that these things in my life, these failures, these shortcomings are to remind me that A, I need a Savior, and B, there's something I'm supposed to learn. I'm still lacking in me. James says if anyone is lacking, he needs to ask. Well, how do you know you're lacking? How do you know there's a gap? A failure is going to come knocking on your door. You're just going to embrace, I'm not perfect. I'm only, found, I'm only found perfect in Jesus. Be freed of that. Be free of this theology that says that you have to live perfect. Holy, yes, that's just pursuing after God, but not perfect. Embrace the fact that you're going to make mistakes. He says we can rejoice, we can celebrate in this, because it's when I make a mistake, I can learn, and I can grow. I have opportunity at least to learn and to grow. And maybe some of us, we haven't taken that up. We've seen the failure, and it just wipes us out. Oh, I'm such a terrible person. Instead of saying, okay, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. What are you trying to teach me about me in this moment? Let it be a moment to help us learn to endure. Number two. So number one, embrace the fact that we're going to fail. It's, 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 it's going to happen. Number two is to overcome the power of failure, a fear of failure in your life, is you can never give up. You can't. I used to tell students this all the time. God would rather hear you say, I'm sorry, a billion times than to ever hear you say, I give up. His grace is sufficient. He would rather hear you say, I'm sorry, than to ever hear you say, give up. Proverbs 24 talks about the wisdom, the wisdom book. It talks about this. For though a righteous man falls seven times. That's a clumsy man. I don't know about you. I don't know about a righteous man. For a righteous man. Listen, but here's what it says. It describes it as righteous. And he's falling how many times? Not one. Not two. Not seven. That's a, that's a lot of times, bro. And that's... Watch where you're going, okay? But the Bible says that for though a righteous man falls seven times, as if there's an understanding, it's going to happen. But here's what it says. But he rises again. When failure comes knocking on your door, and it will, get up. Don't let it keep you down. Rise again. I put this in my notes. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what happens in you. Do you embrace this defeated spirit? Do you embrace this, oh, woe is me. I'm worthless. See, I knew it. God, it didn't work. I prayed and it didn't work. No, embrace the fact that I'm going to fall, but I'm going to get myself up. I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to say, God, your grace is sufficient. I'm going to walk in your righteousness. Get up. Get up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says it like this. Let us not become weary in doing good things. Because even when we do good, we're going to make a mistake. For at the proper time, we will reap the harvest. If we don't, what? If we don't give up. See, that failure, God may say, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to use it in your life. I'm trying to turn what the enemy meant for good. Yeah, it might have been the enemy throwing a stumbling block in your way. But I'm going to turn that failure into something positive, something great. You're going to learn to endure. You're going to learn to grow in it. And then he says, but you're only going to learn that if you don't give up. We can't give up. John Maxwell says in his book, you got to get up, you got to get over it, and you got to get going. Because if not, it's, it's going to take you out. And you're going to wallow in it. And you're going to mess with, you're going to, you're going to start to fester in your, in your failure. Uh, when I was preparing for this, I had this book on my shelf and I felt like the Lord said, you need to give it away to somebody tonight. So I'm not here to embarrass, hear my heart, you know my heart. I'm not here to embarrass, I'm here to empower. There's a difference. I don't want to embarrass, I want to empower. The enemy has been kicking somebody down this month and I want to take the enemy's tactics away from him and I want to empower you to move out of it. So here's what I'm going to ask. If you're in this room and you've lost your job in the past month, 
Someone who's just, and I feel like it's a dad. It's a man. It could be a man. It could be a lady. But, it, but I'm feeling like it's a dad. You're a father in here, and you've lost your job in the past 30 days. If that's you, will you just, I want to I give this book to you. Will you just run up here? I know that sounds like I'm embarrassing you, but I, I have a word for you. So if that's you, or maybe it's your father. He's at home, and he's not here. I see your hand up. You got a dad who lost his job. All right, you're a lady. Well, come up here. Come up here. I'm, uh, uh, you're the only one raise your hand. So you're the one, all right? You're the one I'm going to give this to. Listen, here's what the Lord said to me. That you're not to be defined by this transition. You're not to be defined by this loss of the job. God is already providing the very scary feeling that the money and the resources have stopped. You know what? God, that, those things were never the providers for you. God is already providing provision for you and for your family. I want to give you this book. I want to give this to you as a resource to help you get out of whatever the slump the enemy is trying to keep you in. Okay? I love you. And I thank you for that. It's called Failing Forward. Yeah. I believe that with all my heart God's going to do something. John Maxwell wrote this book, and I remember reading this book at a critical time in my life. When I felt like a failure of a husband and a failure of a pastor. And if there's anything that just, you know, you feel like you're going to jump off the, the mountain is if you feel like a failure of a husband and a pastor. And I read this book, and God used this book to transform my life. And John Maxwell's a great writer, but he says that you got to get up. You got to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to stay in the mess. I'm not going to trip up and just lay down and just pretend dead and, okay, woe is me. I need to get up. I need to get going. I got to keep moving under the strength that God provides for us. So let, let that book be a blessing to you. You can't give up. Mom, and you're in this room and your students aren't serving the Lord, don't give up. You're not a failure. The enemy's a liar. That's the difference. He's a liar, and he's lying to your children. He's lying to your young adult. Listen, don't give up. I'm the product of a mother who never gave up praying for her son. Don't give up. Dad, you're in this room, and you're saying, I, I struggle with making ends meet, and I feel like I'm, I'm not serving my family well. You're not a failure. Don't give up, sir. You keep going. You keep letting God be the source of your life. Don't let the enemy label you a failure. Never give up. And then last is simply this. I just hopefully modeled this in front of you. you got to take faith risks. To combat the fear of failure. I don't know. I don't want to try anything. That's what it starts to do. You start to just don't want to try. You just want to stay still because that's what fear does. It doesn't want you to take steps because it's going to whisper in your ear and say, what if? Remember, what if you fall off the stage? What if you call somebody and they don't say, stand up? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? The fear, that's what the fear does. It keeps you frozen. You have to, to break the bondage of fear in your life. You have to take some faith risks. You have to say, God, I trust you. God, I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey. I'm going to trust you. Hebrews says it like this, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. You say, well, I had faith once. I, I was a sinner and I got saved and that was a lot of faith because you should have seen me before. Yeah, it's a continual phrase. It's not a one-time, you know, end-all. It's a continual. God calls us and he beckons us to take these faith risks and trust him. But what if I make a mistake? What if I don't say the right words? What if I don't use the right Christianese when I'm talking to them and I mess up the whole gospel presentation to them? It don't matter, all right? All right? We had fishermen telling people how to get saved. Oh, we'll be all right. We'll be okay. These guys were uneducated men, and it still survived over 2,000 years. You're going to be all right. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of you. You just got to take the faith risk. I've tried before, and I've failed. You got to try again. You got to trust that the Holy Spirit is leading you out of mediocrity. You can't play it safe when it comes to pleasing the Lord. Tell, tell the disciples, play it play safe, guys. Hey, hey, you know, he's gone. We don't, we don't need to be meeting anymore. He's dead. Let's play it safe. 
They see him again, and they're like, we can't play. This guy came back from the dead. We have to tell the whole world. These men that wrote the New Testament, they gave their life so you and I could stay here. So, so you and I can, excuse me, can, so you and I can know who Jesus is. They gave their life. They gave their life. We cannot stay put. We have to take faith risks. Because here's my prayer for you. That your greatest fear, failure, will not turn into your greatest pain, regret. That your greatest fear, failure, would not turn into your greatest pain, regret. And I remember when God spoke to me when I was in middle school. I remember when God spoke to me when I was in college. I remember, and I just, you know, I took that and I, 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 who am I? I can't speak that well or I can't draw that well. I can't do the media. I can't. And now there's regret. My prayer for you is that you would overcome this fear of failure and risk it all on him. Paul, excuse me, Peter and disciples were preaching after Jesus is gone. I mean, this is risky. you got to understand, in first century, uh, the Romans were coming down on these guys. I mean, they were trying to squash the risen Savior message. They're trying to, I mean, they're, they're arresting people. They're crucifying people outside the city. I mean, they're doing everything they can. The Jewish people are hearing the story of uh, the Sanhedrin, are hearing about Jesus and the story of him being raised from the dead, and it's spreading like wildfire. The enemy's like, no, this can't happen. So he starts to, uh, you know, starts to bring this fear of failure in there. And Peter, does, he's just so bold. He's taking these faith risks. He's just, he's out there preaching the gospel. And people are like, dude, you're going to get arrested. And he's like, Come on, bring it on. And he, and he gets arrested, and he actually gets arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus. And they take him in front of the Jewish leader, the, the, the Sanhedrin. He takes him in front of the Sanhedrin, and they're like, you need to stop this. And he's like, I can't. I, I mean, I, I tried. I just, I can't stop what's going on inside of me. And so they're just going on, and they're just mad insults, and da-da-da. And finally, one of their very own, this is the power of taking a risk with God. One of their very own Sanhedrin, one of the very own uh, Pharisees who's, you know, bringing uh, the conviction against Peter and the disciples, stands up and says, okay, okay, we're not getting anywhere. This guy's obviously not going to stop doing what he's doing. And we find this powerful verse. It's not from a disciple. This is from one of the enemies of the disciple. Listen to how your enemies will begin to talk about you when you take these faith risks. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, in the present case, Peter is the present case, I advise you guys, he's talking to the rest, leave these men alone. This is his enemy talking. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, what will happen? They will fail. It's going to squash. If they're trying to make, you know, this happen on their own, it's going to squish. There's nothing going to last past, you know, the next weekend. Once we get past uh, Ram Kippur, it's just going to die. Everything's going to be fine. Just if it's, on, if it's humanly led, it's going to die. But, this is one of their enemies, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God himself. When you take a faith risk and you say, God, I'm going to trust you, your enemies begin to go, bro, I know you. You can't do that. That, That's not your own strength. You you didn't come up with that on your own. You're not capable. They'll even say things like this. You're not smart enough to figure that out. Thanks. 
You're right, I'm not. I just am taking a faith risk. I don't want the fear of failure. Helen Keller said it this way. She wasn't so much afraid of failing, but she said, I was afraid of failing or being successful at the wrong thing. Some of you are like, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm making lots of money. And God's going, I never called you to make money. I called you to be a good husband. I called you to be a good disciple. And we've just said, oh, I thought it was the same thing. God's going, no, I wanted you to take a risk over here. But we went down our own road. Because we didn't want to fail at the, we didn't want to be successful at the wrong things. That's what Helen Keller would say. Take a faith risk. We're afraid. What? what, what I don't know if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do it right, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna just. If the Lord is leading you, like these guys, the enemy said, you won't be able to stop it. God will come alongside of you, and every step of the way, give you the empowerment to do what He's called you to do. But you got to say yes. You got to say, yes, I'm willing to take some of you here tonight. You're like, I'm here because I don't even know if I believe it. I just came to check this whole thing out tonight. Your risk is about to happen right here and right now. Your risk is putting your whole faith and trust in the person of Jesus and watching him transform your life. Or maybe tonight your, your risk is telling a loved one when you go home, I love you. But there's someone who loves you more. His name is Jesus. And I don't know how to say this right, all the words and all the theology and the right Bible verse. But I know this. Jesus changed my life and he wants to change you. Or maybe that's your faith risk tonight. Just sharing the simple gospel to somebody that you know. Tonight I'm just going to ask that we just have a moment of just, here's the question, the reflection. Just would you, would you, would you risk with me and just bow your heads and close your eyes? I know you're like, I don't, I don't know why we're doing this. I don't even do this when we're praying for my food, but would you just, right here in this moment, just trust that God wants to speak to you in a very intimate way. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, even online, just join us in this. Step in, lean in a little bit with us. The question that I want you to ask is, what faith risk is God calling you to take tonight? And maybe it's a reminder of an old risk. Maybe it's a I tried it, God, but it didn't work the way I thought. And God's going, trust me, it's in my time. It's in my time. Or maybe like I said tonight, you're going, tonight is the night. I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to put my heart in the hands of the Savior who only can rescue my life. I'm going to put my heart in the hands of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. The question I want you to ask is what is the faith risk God is asking of you right now? Is the Holy Spirit whispering it, that, that, that thump in your chest, that, that heaviness on your heart? That's the Holy Spirit just whispering to you saying it's time. Take a chance on me. I understand you're not perfect. You never will be. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for you to put my son. I'm looking for him to be the, the thing that people see in your life. I'm looking for him to stand in your place of your imperfections. All over this room, you would say, Pastor Mike, I, I need to risk it all tonight. I want to give my life to God. I need to put my heart in his hands. And that's a big risk for me because I told myself I'd never do this again. I'd never trust God again. I wouldn't go and I wouldn't give up my atheistic beliefs because of some emotional decision tonight. It's not emotion, it's the Holy Spirit. And he's asking you to take a risk on God and trust him and let him lead you on the craziest journey you've ever experienced. A journey of freedom. 
journey of joy, unspeakable and full of glory that I can't even talk to you in words about. Come on. You say, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ in this room, all over this room. This is a safe place tonight. We're not here to make a a spectacle of you. We want to lead you and encourage you and pray with you and help you connect with God in a real way tonight. If that's you, you say, that's me. I'm going to risk it all tonight. I want to put my hands. I'm going to put my heart in his hands. Just Would you just lift your hand all over this room? Say, that's me, that's me. I see hands going up all over this place. Prayer team, come on. We're going to get ready to move. If you're on the prayer team, go ahead and get yourself ready. Young adult leaders, just go ahead and get yourself ready. I'm going to ask you to be up here. We saw lots of hands tonight. As the prayer team is moving, guys, there's already movement going on in the room. God is already stirring up the atmosphere to make it available for you to stand. You raise your hand tonight. I want you to risk it all. I want you to trust the Lord. If you raise your hand, I want you to call you out of your chair. Just ask the people around you, excuse me, they're going to understand. This is why we came here tonight. If you're here, you raise your hand, you want to give your heart to Christ. Would you stand out of your chair? Come down here. I want someone to pray with you and connect with you and let the fear of failure begin to be ripped out of your heart. The fear of failure be ripped out of your life and replacement with God's mercy, God's goodness, God's forgiveness. If you're here tonight, would you move? Would you move out of your seat? You raise your hand. Would you move and say, I need to give my life to Jesus all over this room. Watching online, come on, connect with us. Connect with us. That's you. You raise your hand. You say, you know what? I need to give my life to the Lord. And you're watching. Listen, you you click a button. You submit that request. You do what you need to. We want to know. We want to connect you with the ultimate, ultimate Savior of our lives, of our of our world that, le- that frees us from fear. That's Jesus. All over this room, you say, you know what? I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to be the only one, but now you know you're not. And you're still sitting in the chairs. I'm going to take a faith risk again and say, you're still sitting. And you said, if you would ask one more time, I'd get up. I'm asking one more time because I believe in what God is trying to do in this room. If you're still sitting down, God is here tonight. He wants to rescue your life. He wants to set you free from the spirit of fear and deposit love and freedom and joy and forgiveness into your heart. If that's you, just make your way down here tonight all over this room. They're still coming down, prayer team. They're still coming down. Pray with them. Pray with them. Lead them to the Lord. Lead them in the sinner's prayer. Lead them down the prayer of salvation that says, if we ask and believe and confess, then he is Savior, then he is Lord. Come on all over this room. If you're still sitting, would you stand? Would you stand with me? We're going to worship. We're going to worship as God is doing something amazing in this room tonight. If you're standing or sitting in the audience, would you stand with me? We're going to sing one more song tonight before we dismiss. We're just going to ask God to just wash over this room and begin to set people free. Come on, let our worship encourage these decisions tonight. Let our worship matter and make a difference in what's happening at the altar tonight. Come on, Westover. Let's worship. Let's worship. Come on.